Welcome back to the Empowered Woman, Badass, and Unfiltered Podcast. Your host, Olivia, here, and I am with Kate Manser. And today we are talking about how to feel alive in life and at work and just all over your life. Kate is a very accomplished woman. She does, and she does a lot of things. She's a little, she's artistic. She does large-scale sculptures. She does media, books, and film. She, her books have, she sold thousands of books in over six countries. She, her art has been shown at New York Fashion Week. I don't know what it is about this New York Fashion Week thing, but I, I love my people from New York Fashion Week. And I'm not even into fashion <laughs> like that. And she has spoken at Facebook headquarters Definitely check out her links below in the show notes or wherever you're consuming this information. Kate, I'm so happy to have you today. It's a beautiful day to be alive, Olivia. I'm super happy to be here. Thank you. So what made you so passionate about people living, like actually being alive in the moment? Well, of course, it came through... struggle I almost said struggle which was which was trials and struggle mashed into one word so struggle that's our that's our new word but it came through struggle and challenge as most of our life lessons unfortunately or fortunately do come but yeah I was just um up until I was uh, in my late 20s I was just kind of going along life just like anybody else trying to do all the things that I thought I was supposed to do you know get the good job get married, get a dog, buy a house, you know, the list of these societal accomplishments go on. And then out of nowhere, really unexpectedly, I had three friends die in the span of a year. And they were all around my same age. And they just died in unexpected, unrelated events. And so you might think that that was the moment that I realized that I wanted to live life. Uh Uh-uh, Olivia, that ain't it. (laughs) Actually, that sent me into one year of deep death anxiety. And maybe you and your listeners can relate to maybe obsessively searching Google to find out if you have some type of terminal disease when you have like a slight pain in your shoulder. Maybe you've ever been driving down the road and felt like you were going to fly off the edge of an overpass. Or as you went to sleep at night, you started worrying about if you got the call that, you know, a friend or a family member died. And so that was what happened to me for a year. I was deeply concerned all the time that I might die tomorrow. And counterintuitively, what popped me out of that and what did lead to my awakening and to my totally new perspective on life was while I was so afraid to live for that year of time, another friend of mine, he was training to climb Mount Everest. And he was actually up at base camp attempting to summit Everest when the Nepal earthquake struck there in 2015 and he was actually killed instantly. And it was so such a pivotal moment in my life because I realized that I had been spending all of my precious lifetime and energy that we all have. We've got all a certain amount of time and energy in life. I was spending it trying to not die. Whereas here was my friend, Dan training for Everest, knowing that he could die but knowing that he had to do that in order to truly live. And so here he was taking that same amount of time and energy that we have in life and flowing it towards living his version of a most vibrant life. Now, you may or may not want to summit Everest. I don't think that that's really going to be in the cards for me. But what I did decide from that day on is that I have to make a conscious choice every morning to flow my life, time and energy away from fear away from trying to fit in 
and toward living my most vibrant life and, and what that means to me. So that Dan was number four within like a two year time span of your friends. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know. Wow. Like, and I love, I love the whole step away from fear and step more so mm-hmm. step into your life, you know? Yeah. And it's so hard when you're feeling low to even, because there's been times throughout my life and almost recently, recently too, that I'm just, because I get so tired that I'm just like, okay, God, can you just go ahead and take me out? Like, just go ahead and and just let me go. When you're feeling like that, what are some of your tips to not feel that way? So I like to think about my mind when I'm in that, that place. And I've been there actually a lot over the past six to eight months, I've been in some, some intense trials of my life. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm sure tons of your listeners listening today can understand what it feels like to just, just be like out the battery's dead. I can't take anymore. Like what's the direction God like, but what I have to really force myself to do is that, you know, we like, sometimes we like to think about our mind like a jet ski. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. But when we're low, when we're really feeling tired and overwhelmed, our mind is like a barge. And so what you have to do is manually turn that barge, that big old ship towards joy, towards simple joy, towards feeling alive and recognizing that being alive is a privilege, pain, struggle, and all. It's all part of the gift of being alive. And so when I'm in my low moments and I have, I don't have energy for the self-help book, I don't have any, you know, the two things that I do is number one, I give gratitude for being alive, even when life is hard, that it's all part of the gift of being alive. And number two, I'll do something like pick up a leaf. And, and just look at it in my hands and like feel the texture of the leaf and look at all of the color variation and texture and maybe even smell it. And that just grounds me into this sense of a feeling alive. So whether you pick up a leaf or a rock or you look up at the sky or you look in your dog's eyes, <laughs> right? It's grounding ourselves in those beauty moments of being alive. Because a lot of times when we're in darkness, we're caught up in our right brain. Like, logic, how am I going to make this work? I don't have enough money, you know, all the stress. And we've lost that right brain aspect. Um, and that right brain aspect is is what I like to call the, where those alive moments live. And so we have to turn that barge and cultivate those, those alive moments to recapture that magic that it is to be alive. I love that you talked about getting grounded. And and as simple as picking up the leaf, one of the things that I'll do when I'm like walking is looking at each of the blades of grass, you know, and how perfectly those things are made and actually being, you know, present. I, for for me, the shift to being present, because when you're giving gratitude for being alive and when you're actually getting grounded, you have to be present to do that. You can't just be like, Oh, this once was this thing. No, like you here right now. Like this is now. what you're holding right now. So that's yeah. also sensory stuff too, when you're smelling and, and, and it just causes you to be more present in the moment, which I, I believe causes your heart rate to get lower than if you, if you have a heightened heart rate 
previously when you're stressed out or maybe you're having a lot, a lot of anxiety. If you're a listener and, and, and that's your case and it's just like, you know, you can't seem to just chill out, you know, like I, I like, I really like that picking up the leaf and then, you know, doing more right brain activities. Now yeah. you do artwork. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about the creative side of Kate. <laughs> Well, you know, it's been a long path, right? And, you know, starting from from when I was younger. And and if I think back to what I would tell myself when I was younger, I would I would tell myself anyone can be an artist and that being an artist can take many forms. So I call myself an artist because artist is the most easily digestible term for all of the things that I do, right? Like I do paint, right? I do create large scale sculptures. Um, I also write. I also, you know, make videos. I also, you know, just do all these different forms of art. And I think part of the reason that I'm able to be an artist is because this mindset of living like I might die tomorrow, which is the title of my book. It's the title of my movement. You might die tomorrow. So live today gives me courage. It gives me urgency to be my most vibrant self to release inhibitions that we all have, to release the notions of what I'm supposed to be in society. That's not to say that I don't get caught up in those still because I do every day, but keeping that mindset of living like I might die tomorrow just gives me, like I said, that sense of urgency, that that sense of courage, that sense of, you know, to hell with it, to hell with what they think that helps me be uh, feel free to call myself an artist and to be an artist and to create art. And so, you know, you don't have to necessarily be a painter or be a good artist. And so if I were to look back on what I would tell myself as, as a child, it would be that you don't have to be good at pencil drawings in art class in third grade to consider yourself to be an artist. You just have to have that, that courage and that desire to create something in life that wasn't there before. It could be a business. It could be a way of parenting. It could be a writing. It could be a painting. It could be, you know, the way that you landscape your lawn or the clothes that you wear every day, but it's that element of self-expression. I love that you don't put yourself inside a box. I was, I was talking to someone earlier today in uh, Portugal and she was telling you about talking about how like we as Americans are just so rigid. We are. We are. Even even the ones that are like not super rigid are because it's like we get all these our society has made us have all of these labels. And and it's like we we then have to explain I'm this, but I'm not this. <laughs> that's yeah. just, I'm realizing like that's more so what we're like. Cause I'm like, I'm a Christian, but I am accepting of, you know, because people Mm. get bad raps. Like I was born a Buddhist. You know, my dad was an atheist. I was, my grandparents were Jehovah's Witnesses. I was raised around a lot of different types of people. So I I don't, you know, whatever people's choice of path that they choose to have, that's them. You know, I don't, I don't condemn anybody for their choices or anything like that. But I feel like you have to say that. And, you know, just like with you being an artist, you know, you do so many things, but you say you're an artist because we we just, in our society, we, we put boxes. So yeah. I guess to assimilate or, you know, not even that, but just make it easier for other people to understand us. <laughs> We're like this, but I, I have a sense 
that you started to go your own path at some point in time and not do all of the things that the world told you to do. And I think that that was a very pivotal moment in your life. So I want to hear a little bit more about that. Mm, You're so perceptive. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I appreciate that. It was after Dan died, you know, after Dan died, I had that moment where I realized, you know, that, that notion of you might die tomorrow, it had been so terrifying to me. so scary. It's like, oh my God, I could die at any moment. And it was those same words then that became my most motivating key to living my most vibrant life. It was like, oh, you might die tomorrow. Like there's a freedom in that. There's, there's a truth in that. There's an urgency and a motivation and a passion in that. And so after Dan died, you know, I had always, I had always, you know, I had been married and my, my, my husband, I, but when he died, I had recently gotten divorced, but you know, I had always wanted to travel. I'd had this dream of traveling long-term and I had been working at Google for five years. That was how I met Dan. Actually, he also worked at Google. He was a colleague of mine and I made this big decision. So for me, living like I might die tomorrow at 28 was that I quit my job at Google and I traveled around the world for two years. And at the time, I was also really in the early stages of starting You Might Die Tomorrow as a movement, right? So I made stickers and I started blogging and I was just so on fire with this idea And that was the beginning of me, just like you said, so perceptively, uh, just forging this whole new path that was not based on what I thought my parents wanted or what I thought society thought I was supposed to do or what I had been conditioned to do. You know, I've been working with students lately and speaking at at high schools about, um, about life. And one of the things that I always tell them is that, you know, we tend to think about life, especially when we're in high school as like this palm tree, right? It's like, it's the palm tree. We graduate from high school, then we go to college, then we get this job and then we work in the job and then we get to retirement, which is the top of the palm tree with, you know, all the green and the coconuts. But really, right, I live in Texas. We have these beautiful, incredible live oak trees that are just so majestic and they're hundreds of years old and they've got branches going every which way, these strong, strong, beautiful branches, a branch goes here and then another one comes off. And sometimes the branch of the branches of this tree will take up the corner of a whole block. And that's what I teach kids that life is actually like, that life is more like that oak tree that we can change our mind at any times. And oftentimes when we give ourselves license to change our minds, that can lead to the most beautiful and unexpected surprise. And so I tell kids, especially in high school, don't be afraid to to change your mind. Don't feel like that when you're choosing your college major, that that's what you have to do until the palm tree of of retirement. And so uh, I encourage that not only for high school students, but for adults, that we can give ourselves license to change our mind and to not be a martyr to what we think we're supposed to do or what society is supposed to do. Because When you think about looking at your life from the perspective of your deathbed, looking at your life now or looking at your life in the future from the perspective of being at the end of it, because at the end of life, you know, as Steve Jobs said, said, the most uh, famous quote by Steve Jobs is this. Steve Jobs said, remembering I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big decisions in life. And he goes on to say, you know, in the face of death, everything falls away. Expectations, fear of failure, you know, financial worries. And what's left is, you know, what is really true and meaningful for each of us. 
And so if you're looking at your life from the perspective of your deathbed, you are going to regret if you lived your life according to what everybody else thought you should do. And so the time to change that if you're living that way is now. And it's not necessarily a light switch on and off, right? It's not like we just suddenly switch off and then we're living for ourselves. It's a path, right? But it's a choice to do that every day in from what we wear to the job that we do, to how we behave in public, how we allow ourselves to experience joy and sadness and everything in between. That is, to me, giving ourselves that, that courage and that vibrancy to be our most wild and wonderful selves in this life that we have right now. I, I'm taking a lot of notes. There's, a, there's, there's some things that came out of that, and I, that was beautiful, what you shared. I also think about what people will say about me when I die and how Mm. I want to be remembered when I die. And that does really dictate how I live my life and how I treat people um, and the type of things I allow and I don't allow. Now to the listener, or if they know somebody, because most, I I really feel like people that listen to podcasts have a little, a little more together. They, they do. I, I'm going to give it to you guys that are listening. You got, you got something together. You know, you, you are in. Yes. Snaps. Snaps for y'all. Snaps for y'all. <laughs> listening to Olivia because she got it. <laughs> well, I mean, because there's so many experts and specialists and people that are doing their own thing and living their best versions of their lives. But it comes from a place of also knowing what that darkness is and accepting, acknowledging that darkness that they might be in and deciding like, you know what, this is not really what I want. This is not going to be my most vibrant self. So let's say you've got somebody that comes to you for your coaching and they are miserable in the life that they live. Their relationships are crappy. Their friendships are just superficial. They lack purpose and direction and they're just stuck. What do you say to them to help them live their most vibrant life? Well, the first thing that we do always is we do a vision exercise where we we do it from the perspective of the deathbed and we look at our present life from the perspective of our deathbed, you know, with the societal expectations and the financial concerns and not to say that, you know, we aren't mindful of of some of these things, like we all need money to survive. But for the purposes of this vision exercise, we vision our most high, our most expressed, our most vibrant self, when none of that matters, right? Like, what does that version of you wear? How do you behave? What are you doing for your job? What do you care about? What are your priorities? How do you spend your time? Do you go outside once a day and put your feet in the grass? Do you take a trip somewhere? Do you say, I love you to the people that you love? Um, And we do that vision exercise first to set that goal of, I don't want to be somebody else. I don't want you to be someone else or what you think you should be to please someone else. I want you to be the most you that you can vision right now. And doing that from the perspective of looking at your life from being at the end of it is, in my experience, one of the easiest ways to actually hone in on that. And, you know, we talked about this already, Olivia, but empowered people zoom out. 
Mm-hmm. Empowered people take the time to zoom out regularly in your life. It could be every day. It could be every week. It should for sure be every quarter where you're zooming out and you're getting out of the minutia of life and you're getting out of logic and you are taking time to look at life from that bird's eye view. I like to do it from the perspective of the deathbed. That's what works for me. But it could be just looking at your life from the game of life, right? Like that windy road with all the colors and trying to check in with your intuition of like, am I on the right path? What needs to change? How am I spending your time? It's really like an assessment. Um, But it doesn't need to be like you at a whiteboard. Literally, I love what Albert Einstein did, which was what Albert Einstein did every single day was without fail, Einstein took a walk and a bubble bath every single day. Like his wife knew, like when he's in the bubble bath, don't bother me. I'm in the bubble bath. Einstein in there blowing bubbles because he thought he knew that he came up with his best ideas for mathematics, for science, for life while he was playing in the bubble bath or while he was taking a walk out in nature. So, you know, your life assessment, this zoom out doesn't need to be this like boot camp thing. It can be just time for you to just reflect and check in with your true authentic self away from the minutia of life, from the daily stresses of chores and bills and all laundry. And I mean, you know what I'm talking about, Olivia, you got a new baby, like, (laughs) you know what that's about. Um, Taking that time to zoom out And this is your life. It's happening now. Like literally every day that we don't do that, like time's a chicken and we don't know how long we have. We could have a day. We could have 10,000 days. We don't know. And so that's why it's important to, to live for today. And the last thing that I'll say on that in the context of this sentence is, you know, a lot of times when we think about you might die tomorrow, we think, oh, I can't quit my job and travel around the world. Oh, I can't do X or I can't do Y. Well, I did that. And and I'm here to tell you that the biggest lesson came about living like you might die tomorrow came when I got back from my two year around the world trip. And that was that I came back. I was kind of low on money. I had to refill my financial coffer. So I went back to corporate. I went back to bills. I went back to the rent payment. I went back to all that. And I did not gracefully adapt like a spiritually enlightened swan. I went in and I was upset and I was depressed and I was frustrated. And the biggest lesson that I learned was that living like you might die tomorrow and feeling alive, the greatest quest of my life is to learn how to do that on any ordinary day, because it's easy to feel alive when you're on top of a mountain in Japan or, you know, walking along the streets of India when there's color and smells and vibrance. It's hard. It is more challenging to take time away from our everyday to go walk barefoot in the grass or to take time away from all the stresses that you have as a new mom and to just look in the face of your beautiful baby and feel that aliveness and that gratitude. That's the greatest quest that we have. It's not booking a trip to Japan. It's feeling alive in the profoundly simple moments that we have every single day. Thank you. I, I, uh, I feel that because it's so nice to envision being on like a beach all the time like but you got to create the life that you want now you got to live the life that you want to live now and not you know wait for it and I think that's you know what exactly what you're saying I also think that when you're you're taking this scope of your life self-awareness and like accountability for where you are are so important you know not you know taking charge the decisions that you've made and, and actively choosing 
to no longer repeat those patterns. You know, actively choosing, I'm going to live my life like this now. Because you know what, what you're saying really reminded me of something. I volunteered in the Bahamas in the beginning of 2020, right before the world got shut down with Hurricane Dorian relief efforts. The reason I, I did that was because I evacuated from Hurricane Michael in 2018. And so when I was watching the storm, when I was watching Dorian on Facebook from different like people in in the Bahamas, I didn't know, I, I didn't have no family there. I just, but it's just, that's how you watch it. Like when you've lived through one of those, that's how you know that you just go through Facebook because all of the phone lines are down, but usually the internet still works. And just watching the water come up in these people's houses and then like the roofs come off and they had sharks coming through and everything. And I mean, when I went there, it was six months after the storm and it was still, they were still living off generators. It was still so, so bad because I mean, it was a category five. The eye of the, like the storm stayed over them for 30 something hours it was a 26 foot storm surge so they're like underwater for a really long time and they they lost a lot of people they were still burning bodies mm. when I got there and I was doing manual labor and like cleaning up you know houses I was using a porter potty I'm when I tell you like I know retreats are nice and everything but that right there that was like that made me really realize like who am I really you know, wow. and, and, and practice so much gratitude. And I realized I had more quality of life when I was doing manual labor. And then I got off after my eight hours and I could go on a nice run and jump in the, in the nice water, the nice Atlantic water and um, living with strangers. I was living with like 98 other strangers that I'd never met before, you know, just that had from all over the world that had the same heart. <clears throat> and I realized the reason I was going back home was not to enjoy my life, but it was to go to work. I was going back home to go to work and I was miserable when I went back, just like you were talking about when you went back to corporate, it's just, you didn't like it. And then I had to really start to learn, okay, let me make those, those little moments. So it's so important to go on those 30 minute walks, go and get grounded, take the bubble bath, do all of those things. And if that's how, I think that's really how you do start that process really, I mean, of course, what you said, vision, visualizing, I'm, I'm such a visualizer. I'm such a like big person on all of that <laughs> and having so much love in my life. I mean, the people in my life are so important to me, you know, like my friends and I, we're always, I love you. I love you. Like, like, okay, I'm going through this. I'm going to like, you know, having those real authentic relationships to to pull you out the mud when you're in the mud sometimes. And just embodying what you have. I I think this is just, it's such a beautiful message and you have such a beautiful movement because yeah, we, we might die tomorrow, you know, and what will, what, what will we have said about our lives? what will we have said about our lives and, and will we have taken time to it? And if you think about it from a neurological perspective, right, we know about neuroplasticity and how 
we also know if you believe in, you know, law of attraction, we know about neuroplasticity where, Mm -hmm. you know, what we think breeds us to think more of that, right? Like if we, if we think negative thoughts, which sometimes it happens, we get into this negative thinking rut. And that's why I go back to this analogy of the barge, where if you are trapped in negative thinking, if you're trapped under the weight of life and just everything that comes along with it, because it's hard. Don't get me wrong. It's hard. You ain't alone. We all kind of feel like we're drowning a little bit, I think. And that's why it's so important to appreciate being alive, to to find what you find beautiful (laughs) and bring that into your life. Maybe there's a painting that you love that you, you can put in front of your desk. Maybe you're scheduling time each day to, to go outside or to, you know, we can do something right now, actually. Why am I talking about the future? Let's, let's do something right now. So wherever you are, take your hand and place it on your heart. And, you know, you can feel the warmth of your chest on your hand Close your eyes if you're not driving. (laughs) If you are driving, look up at the sky a little bit. Feel the warmth of your chest on your hand. Take a breath. Feel your chest rise. And that warmth, that rising of the chest, maybe you can even make out your heartbeat. These are your outward symbols of your aliveness. Now let that feeling of aliveness and well-being wash through your whole system. Allow a smile to creep up over your faces. You just shake your head at the wonderful and ridiculousness that it is to be alive. And then whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes. And if you have the sky in front of you, look up at the sky and just say, hey, I'm still alive. You've made it this far. This is your moment. The next moment is the moment, your moment. The next moment after that is your moment. And just be alive with me. Look for the beauty, find the beauty, drop into the kaleidoscope of wonder that's around us all the time that we so often miss. And no, we're not going to be, you know, walking around our offices saying, you know, how marvelous our laptop our laptop is, what this amazing work of science and art, right? Like we might not be able to be walking around our lives all the time because I mean, truly there is wonder around us all the time. But what I'm asking you and imploring you to do is to not let one day go by without feeling alive for at least one moment. That's it. One moment of each day where you put your hand on your heart or you look up at the sky or you look around at your house and the people and the things that you love. And you're just you have that zoom out perspective of feeling alive for just one moment. And that's that collection of alive moments. One moment a day is going to contribute more than anything else to the greater satisfaction of your life. Mm, Yes, it will. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for being here today. I greatly appreciate you guys. Like I said in the beginning, check the show notes below to connect with her, check out her books. She's, she's got a lot going on and (laughs) she's definitely somebody you should be connected with. Kate, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Olivia. And thank you for the work that you're doing and shining your light with, with all of us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.